I wanted to talk some about women's role models. You know, that's a topic of great interest right now uh, among people who are Christians and even who would not consider themselves Christians. Lately, there's been a lot of talk from people in the world about uh, role models for young women and for young girls and holding up these examples for them. And you know, Proverbs 31, verses 30 and 31 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her, praise her in the gates. Here we have the wisdom of Proverbs saying, Hold up a godly woman as an example. And let her works praise her. Let people know about uh, her praiseworthy attributes and present her as an example to be emulated. And so that's what I'd like to do tonight. And I'd like to share with you the story of one such godly woman from the book of 1 Samuel. And to introduce our study, I want to read 1 Samuel chapter 25, verses 2 and verse 3. There the Bible says, Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in all his doings. Friends, this is a, an action-packed account from the Bible in which disaster would have ensued and many people would have died on account of the stubbornness of one man and Israel's future king would have been disgraced if it wasn't for the bravery and for the actions and the wisdom of one godly woman named Abigail. I hope this study will be beneficial to you. This study, which I have chosen to entitle Beauty and the Beast. Now, if you're familiar with the history of the nation of Israel, you might remember that 1 Samuel chapter 25 was a troubling time in the kingdom. Remember that Saul was anointed as king of Israel, but because of his pride, he fell out of favor with God. And so David was anointed to be his successor. And this made Saul furious. He went crazy. In fact, he tried to kill David. And so David had to run for his life and go hide out in the wilderness. And people knew about these events that were going on. And so pretty soon, uh, people were coming from all around to join up with David. And the Bible says that these were rather seedy individuals. They were outlaws. They were people who were in debt because of Saul. They were people who were in trouble with the law. So they made up a motley crew. And the Bible says that they had faces like lions. These were men who were warriors, but they respected David 
And through his charisma, David was able to direct them. And so he became their captain. Now, the Bible says there were about 400 men who joined up with David. David had almost like a personal army where he could have gone and fought back against Saul. But, you know, he didn't want to do that because he recognized Saul was God's anointed. And so he said, I'm going to let God take care of removing Saul. When the, when the time comes, if the time comes, uh, it won't be up to me. It'll be up to God. So we get to 1 Samuel 25, and the prophet Samuel has just died, verse 1 says. Now, if you remember, Samuel was really the last person who could, on occasion, talk some sense into Saul. And now he has just died. And so King, uh, or the anointed David, he relocated to a place called the Wilderness of Paran. This is on the border of southern Judah and the Sinai Peninsula. It's an area that was relatively uninhabited, no big cities, mostly pasture land for grazing. And while he was there, he noticed these roving bands of people called the Amalekites, and they were raiders, and they would go and take crops and animals and attack these villages, the people who were tending to the herds. Now, maybe you remember that David grew up as a shepherd, and you can imagine that not only did he, he know about the difficult and the dangerous circumstances of this kind of job, but I imagine it pained him greatly to see these people who were in need of help. And so he took his fighting men and he intervened and he drove off these raiders and protected the shepherds and the herds. Now, as we read in our reading, there was a man living in this area named Nabal. Now, this name Nabal means fool. And friends, let me tell you, there has never been someone more accurately named than Nabal. He was a rich man. He owned vast amounts of land and flocks, but that's not what made him a fool. He wasn't a fool because he was a rich man. He was a fool because of his attitude and his demeanor. The King James Version calls him a churlish man, and that's an old English expression, which means he acted like a dog. He was rude and ill-tempered and vulgar and selfish. Now, friends, when the Bible calls somebody a fool, we would do very well to perk up and to pay attention and to take note about why they're called a fool so that we don't make the same mistake. You know, one of the easiest ways to spot a fool is to see how they treat other people. And we see that in this story. The Bible says that it came time for Nabal to shear his sheep. And in Eastern culture, this was supposed to be a time of great celebration and great hospitality. Often, uh, the master of the estate would throw a feast and he would invite his neighbors and his workers to partake. And he, he would be generous in giving gifts. Now, you better believe Nabal was going to feast. In fact, he feasted 
like a king. He gorged himself and he got drunk. Now, David had been protecting Nabal's livestock from these uh, raiders. And even though he and his men were starving, they didn't take a single one of Nabal's sheep to eat for themselves. And this entitled them to some of that hospitality, some of that compensation. And so David selected some young men and he sent them down there and he said, tell Nabal that you are servants of David. And he knows that we have protected his property and ask if he'll give us something to eat. So these young men come down and here's Nabal sitting there drunkenly on a stool. And these men come up and they say, we are servants of David and he has protected your property and we've come to see if you'll give us some gifts. And I can just imagine Nabal crossing his arms and leering at them through his drunken stupor and slurring, who is David except a scoundrel and a rascal? I don't know who David is. I'm not going to have anything to do with David. He's not going to get anything that I have to give. Well, Nabal knew who David was. You know, David was God's anointed. That's why he's out hiding in the wilderness, because he's on the run from Saul. This wasn't a matter of Nabal didn't know who David was. This was rebellion and rejection of God's anointed. But not only that, David and his men deserved some charity. They deserved some compensation. You know, know, usually rich people are very meticulous about their assets, often more so than poor people are. Rich people know exactly where their money is, where it's going, who's responsible for it. Nabal knew who was keeping his flock safe. It wasn't a secret. He just didn't want to give David his due. Well, these young men come back and they tell David. And, you know, some people think David might have had red hair. And if that's the case, he had red hair to match his temper. Because when these young men tell him, Nabal wants to know who David is, David says, well, get your swords on, boys. We're going to go teach Nabal who David is. And before the day is over, they were determined to wipe out Nabal and his whole family. And it's at this point we are introduced to the hero of this story, Abigail. You know, Abigail was an exceptional woman who was trapped in difficult circumstances. You know, most likely she was in this marriage by arrangement. That was the custom of the time. Her parents probably had an estate comparable to Nabal's. And so they arranged this marriage for her. And let me tell you, this marriage was a total mismatch. The Bible says that this young woman was beautiful on the inside and on the outside, but her husband was ugly in personality and I imagine in appearance as well. Abigail was intelligent, but her husband was a fool. She was prudent and skilled with dealing with people, and Nabal certainly was not. 
Other people respected Abigail, but Nabal was a source of contempt. Now, isn't this the case? Oftentimes we hear about this where a woman finds herself in a mismatched marriage. This happens all the time. And, you know, sometimes this woman marries a man and maybe it turns out that he wasn't the kind of person that she thought he was. He kept things hidden from her. And maybe she ends up in this situation through no fault of her own. And friends, that is heartbreaking. I mean, just imagine how you would react being stuck in this marriage to Nabal. You know, Abigail had to live with the shame of her husband's reputation. She was unjustly affected by Nabal's misdeeds. And I am sure that she was the subject of abuse from him. Friends, that's a terrible situation. And Abigail had every right to feel sorry for herself. You know, if she'd been transformed into a bitter woman by her circumstances, nobody would have batted an eye. But that's not what happened. Her response in this situation was to be strong and to make the best of difficult circumstances. She didn't compromise her morals. She didn't stoop down to Nabal's level or allow his abuse to transform her into somebody who was bitter. But she continued to put the interests of other people above herself. She trusted in the Lord. And as a result, she made a reputation for herself. You see, Nabal's workers knew that she was more trustworthy than her husband. And so when there was a problem, they were coming to Abigail for a solution. They weren't going to Nabal. And that's what happens here. One of these workers overhears Nabal's insult and comes straight to Abigail. And we read here in verses 14 through 17, this man says, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us both by night and day, all the time we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do. For harm is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. This worker says, Abigail, you've got to do something because Nabal's not going to listen and he is bringing disaster on our house and on your family. And Abigail agreed. She thought to herself, I've got to act quickly or David's wrath is going to come down on us. And so she called for some of her maidens and she said, quick, get some food and some gifts together. And they got on their camels and they went out to meet David on the road. Now, what a sight that must have been. Here comes David and his fighting men with faces like lions. They've got their weapons in hand and they've got blood in their eyes. And then here comes from the opposite direction, a group of women riding out to meet them. What a sight that must have been. And when David saw this woman, Abigail, 
And he saw her humility and heard the wise words that she had to say to him. It stopped him in his tracks. Friends, I want to take a moment to read this speech that Abigail makes to David. I think it's one of the most poignant speeches in the Bible. And there are some things here for every one of us to learn. Let's read the wise words of Abigail here in 1 Samuel 25. This is verses 24 through 31. It says, So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue, pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you nor offensive heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. You know, the book of Proverbs personifies wisdom as a woman. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. Often when men are quick to anger, it's the cooler heads of women that prevail in those situations. And thankfully, there was a godly woman here named Abigail to intervene and to cause David, uh, to prevent David from doing something that he was going to regret later. I want to take a minute to unpack some of the wisdom that Abigail presents in this speech. There's something here for all of us to learn and to apply to our own lives and to our interactions with other people. The first thing that Abigail says is, David, stop and think. And whatever you're about to do to Nabal, do it to me. Now think about that. Here's this beautiful woman down on the ground. And she says, I know you're mad at Nabal, and rightly so, because he's a fool. He's acted foolishly. And you're on your way to kill him, but... Do it to me instead. And you know, that took the wind right out of David's sails. And it forced him to stop and to think about the consequences of his actions. Nabal was a fool, yes. But Abigail, 
and the servants and the children, they didn't deserve to suffer death because of his foolishness. You know, it's easy to take vengeance on somebody that you're angry with. But what about other people who would be affected? Sometimes we don't always think about that, do we? We jump to actions rashly, but we don't think about who else could be affected. You know, the guilt of sin is on the person who commits it. That's what the Bible teaches. But the consequences of sin are far-reaching. And yet we understand this. We are still experiencing the effects of Adam and Eve's sin and the curse, the corruption that they brought on the world. We don't inherit sin from them genetically, but we experience pain in childbirth, conflict in the home. We have to work and sweat in order to eat because the earth is no longer the paradise that it used to be in Eden. These things were consequences of Adam and Eve's sin. And they affect us even today. And so we've got to think, friends, about how our actions may affect other people, especially in these times of temptation. You know, it's easy to get swept away by emotion in these times. Think about it. David, in this situation, he was hungry. He was tired. He was isolated. He was on the run from someone who was frankly crazy. This is when the devil is looking to strike. The devil's not looking for a fair fight, friend. He is going to strike you when you are at your weak point. Isn't that when he came to tempt Jesus? He came after Jesus when Jesus had been in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights in fasting. He's not looking for a fair, a fair fight. And so we've got to be on our guard. As Jesus said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. And so often these sins that occur when we act rashly would be avoided if we would just stop and think and pray. Now the second thing Abigail says to David is Nabal is not worth killing. She says Nabal lives up to his name. He is a fool. And because he's a fool, he is not worth the time and the energy. And friends, that's true. Now when we're talking about a fool, a fool is someone who is characterized by a lack of fear of the Lord. They're not afraid because they think they're perfect in their own eyes. You can't reason with a fool because they think they're perfect. As Proverbs 18 verse 2 says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. There's no correcting someone who's a fool. And as Proverbs 26 verses 4 and 5 says, Do not answer a fool according to his foolishness, or you will also be like him. Answer a fool as his foolishness deserves, so that he will not be wise in his own eyes. You know what this is saying? This is saying don't get into an argument with a fool because they will drag you down to their level 
and then beat you with experience. You're not going to get anywhere arguing with a fool. One of my friends and, and a preacher who I look up to, Brother Bob Loudermilk, he said, some things are better off ignored than attacked. I think that's a great statement. You know, attention is the oxygen of conflict. And there are some conflicts <clears throat> that you don't need to fight. You need to starve them of your attention instead. You need to suffocate them uh, by just ignoring them, not giving them your attention and your energy. And such is the case when dealing with foolish people. Proverbs 6, verses 12 through 15 says, The wicked man's calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. The way that a foolish person chooses to live is going to bring calamity down on them if they don't change and turn to the Lord. So you're better off ignoring those situations. Third, Abigail advises David, let the Lord avenge you. If you are God's anointed, if you're God's chosen, let him take vengeance on your behalf. Friends, that's some fantastic advice. And that is so hard to do sometimes. You know, Abigail had lived humbly with this man for a long time. She had put up with his foolishness. If there's anyone in this situation who had the right to be angry, it was Abigail. In fact, she could have said, David, I want you to come and get rid of this man for me. I'll take you right to him. That's not what she did. She didn't stoop to Nabal's level. She took the high road. And she encouraged David to do the same. And friends, we need to learn how to do the same too. Personal vengeance is the easy way out. In reality, it takes greater strength to trust that the Lord is going to work things out on your behalf. You know, later on, as he reflected on this difficult period of his life, David penned these words over in Psalm 34. In verse 15, he said, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. And then in verse 17, he said, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Friends, God's promise is not that because you live righteously, you're going to have an easy life. In fact, more often than not, living righteously, choosing the high road, it invites more persecution on you. Because there are wicked, evil people who they don't like how you make them feel when you live righteously. And so they try to attack you, to snuff you out. The promise is not that you're going to have an easy life. But the assurance is that God hears your plight. And he is watching over you. And even if you aren't delivered physically, you have spiritual deliverance through him. The fourth thing Abigail says to David, she says, you are innocent so far, David, but if you do this, you won't be innocent anymore. Keep your innocence, 
Keep a clear conscience. It's true, David had been unjustly treated and defrauded in this situation. But two wrongs don't make a right. Two sins cannot cancel each other out. And so she advises David, don't commit wrong to undo Nabal's wrong. And friends, that's right. We need to do the same. In fact, this is how Jesus responded to injustice. In 1 Peter 2, verse 23, it says that when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. He trusted in the Lord. And we're called to follow after Jesus' example. We do this because we hope that through our actions, this person who is mistreating us will see the error of their ways and will be turned to God. As Romans 12 verses 19 through 21 describes, it says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Friends, we overcome evil with good. We don't respond to attacks against us with injustice or with vengeance because our hope is that through our peaceful lifestyle, the person who is attacking us will have their conscience seared and they will get to thinking about why we responded the way we did and it will bring them to God and will have saved another soul. If they don't do that, if they don't turn and repent, then they'll have to answer to God for that and for God's long-suffering. Fifth, Abigail tells David, if you do this, you're going to regret it later. Maybe you won't regret it immediately, but sometime in the future, when you are king, you will look back and regret this action. You see, Abigail believed in David. She believed if God has anointed you king, then you are going to be king someday. That is a fact. And so she says, don't do something that you're going to regret when you look back. And that's good advice, friends. Before you act, before you think or speak something in anger, stop and think. It's an amazing thing to get to the end of your life and to be able to look back and say, I don't regret anything that I did. Now, of course, we are going to have some regrets because we're human and we make mistakes. And we can be forgiven of those mistakes. But let's try our best to live a life where we make as few mistakes as possible. And we do that by stopping and thinking before we act so we don't have to regret. Finally, Abigail tells David, you are a part of God's treasure she says, you are bound up in a bundle with the living God. And what she's talking about is when someone would go on a journey, they would roll all of their possessions 
into a sort of pack or a bundle. And what you do is you take your most valuable possessions and you put them in the middle so they don't get misplaced or stolen. Really what she's saying is, David, this is unworthy of you. Remember who you are. Now, I know that's a cliche. My mom told me that every time I was going out with friends, and maybe yours did too. She said, Noah, remember who you are. But sometimes we need to be reminded who we are. It makes me think of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when Paul was talking to those Christians and he gave that long list of ugly sins that they had been involved in. But then in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, he said, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He was saying, don't turn back into those things because you've been washed. You've put on a new, clean set of clothes, spiritually speaking. Don't sully those clothes or tarnish them or dirty them with those past sins that you were involved in. Remember who you are. Well, here's how David responded to Abigail. Back in 1 Samuel 25, verses 32 and 33, he said, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me, and blessed is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. In verse 35, he said, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. David said, Thank God that you came. Because if I hadn't met you today, I would have carried on with this bloody deed. And men, let's thank God. Let's thank God for the godly women who have come into our lives and who have given us wise counsel and who have led us back on the right track when we were going off astray. Let's do as Proverbs says and let's let their good works praise them in the gates. And that's what David did here. David and his men received Abigail's gifts and sent her on her way in peace. Now the Bible says... She went back to her house, and the next day she came into the living room, and there's Nabal sitting on his stool, this time with a hangover from the night's drinking. And she comes to him and says, I want you to know something, Nabal. If it hadn't been for me, you'd be dead right now. You and me and our whole family, because David was on his way to destroy us because of your insult. If it hadn't been for me, we wouldn't be alive today. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that his heart turned to stone and he fell over paralyzed from a stroke or a, a heart attack or something like that. And they put him in bed and a few days later the Lord struck him and he died. And word got back to David. And David prayed and he thanked God for avenging his anointed, but also withholding his hand from avenging himself. And then he got to thinking about that woman, Abigail, 
And not just her beauty, but her wisdom and her humility and her godly traits. And the Bible says after a period of mourning, David went and courted Abigail and he married her. And friends, let me tell you, if David had kept Abigail as his one and only wife, it would have saved him from a lot of trouble that he was going to have later in life. But as of right now, the story ends happily ever after. David learned some great lessons from Abigail's wisdom. And friends, I hope that we can too. Later on, when David was presented with opportunities to take Saul's life, he didn't do it. I imagine he reflected on the words of Abigail and he restrained his hand and he let the Lord watch out for him. So we can learn from Abigail's wisdom. But friends, we need women like Abigail in the church. We need women who will act with wisdom, who will have the courage to do what is right no matter what. We need women who won't allow unspiritual and foolish men to hold them back. We need women who are patient and who are wise and use their influence to dispel wrath. We need women who, instead of gossiping, edify and correct respectfully and gently. We need Proverbs 31 women. And friends, when you see those women in your own life, do as Proverbs 31 says, let their works praise them in the gates. Friends, let's do our part to uphold godly women as an example. Friends, that brings our study to a close this evening. I want to conclude by asking you to consider your own life. And I want to think back to what Abigail said about living a life with no regrets. Can you say you have lived a life of no regrets? You know, I read the story about one Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, who woke up one morning to find his own obituary in the newspaper. And it said, Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, died last night. The man invented a new way to kill millions of people. And as a result, he died a very rich man. Well, there was a mistake. You see, it was Alfred Nobel's brother who had died. But that shocked him, and it forced him to think. You know, he didn't want to be known as the person who had invented a new way to kill millions of people. And so as a result, he took his large fortune, and he founded the Nobel Peace Prize. And that's how we know him today. His foundation promotes peace uh, and, and recognizes those people who have advanced us scientifically and culturally. You see, you can change your life. You can reverse direction, even if you're in the middle of a path that you don't want to continue down on. Friends, I want you to know the only way to live a life truly with no regrets is to be a Christian. And that's because, like we mentioned, we make mistakes. Try as we might, we make mistakes. We do things that we regret. 
But 1 John 1 verse 7 says, If we are walking in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. When you're living as a Christian, you have access to the saving, atoning blood of Christ, which can wash away those mistakes and can wash you clean before God and cleanse your own conscience. How do you get into contact with the blood of Christ? Romans 6 verses 3 and 4 says, Do you not know as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Friends, that's how you can experience this spiritual rebirth. You can be washed by the blood of Christ through baptism. As Jesus said in John 3 verse 5, Assuredly, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so friends, we want to extend that invitation to you tonight. If you have never believed and been baptized as Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 16, we want to invite you to obey the gospel tonight, to come forward proclaiming your belief in Jesus as the Christ and your readiness to repent of your sin and to turn and begin walking in the light, to become a follower of the Master. And we're ready to baptize you right now for the remission of your sins. And then... As, you, as long as you walk in the light, you can say you've lived a life of no regrets. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.